0: Good morning. Is there a remote? Handy. Usually it's sitting right... So it is. Yeah, if I get to start this morning, I just want to say... It is good to be in the same room with other people, seeing your eyes, seeing your faces. I've spent two weeks working online out of my basement, and I think it kind of affects us a little bit. Like not being together affects us. So I want to say I'm encouraged just to be here, to see you, to speak with you, to share, in a sense, our lives together. Even if just for a Sunday morning, it is good to be here. This morning we're in Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to pick up where Mike left off last week, Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees. And I want to begin, and this, I know you've noticed this, in the last two or three years, it seems like our culture has become more and more divisive, and taking sides, and my team my tribe, my people, we think this way, and if you think that way, you're the other, you're wrong, and I won't even countenance something you have to say, because you are not like me, and I think it's just come out in so many ways, just regarding to get a vaccine or not, to wear a mask or no, How do you look at racial issues? How do you look at social issues? And these are my people, and these are our issues, your people, your issues. And in some ways, it feels like it's unique to our time, but no, it isn't. This is not the first time. I think this is just human nature. And I think it really is the spirit of a Pharisee that we see manifest, that even now, even today and I'm not saying any of those things anybody's right or wrong on those issues that's not my point but my point is that when you take a side sometimes you fail to look around and you see don't see what God is doing right in front of you and we're going to witness that today so Matthew chapter 12 and I just want to give a thought here to the general flow of Matthew. And realize this is a part of a larger picture. You know, we have a little episode that's part of the Gospel of Matthew. And it has a flow and it's brought up about a month ago. That Matthew is a narrative. It begins with an introduction. And then Jesus introduces this idea of a new kingdom and what it's going to be like. This is Sermon on the Mount. And we find all these new teachings that really show the heart of God and what will his kingdom be like. Then we see the miraculous. We see that disciples, apostles are called. They're sent out on mission. They're spreading the news of the kingdom. And then opposition comes in. We find pushing back against it. And last week, we saw this with the Pharisees. Jesus heals. They say, You can't do that. Who do you think you are? He goes and he gathers grain. And he says, You can't do that. Who do you think you are? He says, I'll tell you who I am. So, today, we're going to pick it up at verse 22. It's kind of a continuation, the first word, then. This happens next. It's a continuation of the opposition from the religious elite, the Pharisees. And it says, then a demon-possessed man, so chapter 12, verse 22, who was blind and mute. Was brought to him and he healed him. So the man spoke and saw. So interesting, this phrase, the blind man was brought to him, to Jesus. Does it make you wonder at all who brought him? And given our text last week, the thought of the Pharisees sitting out and spying on Jesus as he walks in the field, did they bring this man? Did they set this up? I'm not sure, but I would not place it beyond the realm of possibility. But I bet they were sitting there watching. Blind man? Mute? Jesus? What is going to happen next? What does Jesus do? And I thought about this. the um, Man being demon-oppressed. I have to admit, when I first see or think about demons and the spiritual realm. My inclination is, living in a modern age, I don't know that our branch of Christianity, like we kind of, I think, we sort of like set it aside. Like, is that a thing? Is there a spiritual realm that really affects the physical world? And I had to take a real good look at myself and say, I don't always think I give it the credit or the seriousness that I ought to. If my eyes, I can't see well, I go and I see the eye doctor. We probably all see the same one. If I have headaches, I take an aspirin. If my car is not working, I often just go to the mechanic or I assume it's something material. But I do want to make a point from Matthew here, from this text. There is a spiritual realm That affects the physical world. The man did not see, the man did not speak because of a demonic spirit that oppressed him. These things are real and we ought not to take them lightly. And the people, their response is they were amazed. And I know as I look around the room, I just thought, how many of us have a long-term physical ailment, either in our body or our mind? And if you were to see somebody healed, I mean, how would we respond? I mean, we would rejoice. To see illness healed, to see suffering relieved. I mean, can you imagine blind and mute. What does your life look like? You don't see, you don't speak. You don't perceive the world around you, you cannot express. And to have that healed. The people were amazed rightly and if it happened here among us, we would be amazed rightly as well. And the people's response, look what they say. say. They were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? They were expecting this. They were wanting Messiah. David's son, who was going to come and sit on David's throne, going to rule in justice and righteousness, and saying, is this him? This is the question to ask. And it made me think about the uh, Bereans. If you look at Acts 17, they were commended as being noble. Why? They searched the Scriptures. And these people, they asked the question, Is this the son of David? Did they have the Scriptures to look? Yes. They had the Scriptures to look, and they investigated. Asked them the question, Is this him? How do you know? And as you're sitting there this morning, I wonder... Have you considered the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you asked the question, is this the answer to whatever oppresses you, to what holds you down? The needs that you feel is Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Is he the answer? Yes, Jesus is the answer. How do I know? God has spoken. Spoken in in his word. And amazing in our day and age, we're literate. We have this book, we read it. The people reading then, I don't think they could have read. I mean, a certain class of people had the scriptures and the scrolls they read. We have so much privilege today to have the word of God that we can look into it. And we can ask the question Is this the son of David? Is Jesus the Christ? Yes. Yes, he is. But now this is where it gets like, what? Start picking your sides. And the Pharisees, and I can just see their ruffled feathers. Who does he think he is? This up-and-comer. He's not like us. This is not one of our team. And the Pharisees heard it. And they said, it is only by Beelzebub. The prince of demons that this man casts out demons. Do you see where they went to? Just saying the ridiculous. This guy's not on our team. How can he be the son of David? Because he's not one of us. And we know we're the good guys. And we know who you are. And you're not on our team. It can't be you. And so again, they say just foolish things and we're going to see how much they say, oh this must be the devil at work casting out the demons and so Jesus responds to them with a reasoned, thoughtful response and I appreciate in our day of just blasting your noise as loud as possible and as many venues as possible here is a thoughtful reasoned response Jesus says to them, knowing their thoughts, and I said, this is a claim to his omniscience. He knows everything. He knows what they are thinking. And he says to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then? will his kingdom stand? He points out, this is just foolishness. I healed a man oppressed by a demon. If I'm Satan, why would I free one of Satan's captives? Does this make sense? Like, no. I mean, really, it's just a foolish argument. And this should point out, too, this phrase, Beelzebul, the prince of demons, was a uh, Philistine god, and it translates, uh, interesting, the lord of the flies. So a phrase that might catch your, catch your ear, but also could be translated, the lord of the dung, the king of the dung pile where the flies all gather. This is what they're accusing him of. After healing a man oppressed. And he says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of the demons, the Lord of the Dung, he has a good question. If I do this and you say that I'm the devil, then who do you do the same thing? So if I'm the if you say I'm the bad guy and you're doing what I'm doing? What does that make you? And he says, therefore, he says, by whom then do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. So apparently some of the disciples or the sons, perhaps literal sons of the Pharisees were in some measure casting out demons as well. And he asked the question, I'm doing what they're doing. Do you make the same accusation of these people they will be your judges if you hold this as good what do you say about me and then his response and this I think is so key then so if it is then verse 28 by the spirit of God that I cast out demons then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And at this point, make a choice. Either I am doing this by the demons and the devils, and if you want to take that side, so be it. But, if it's by the spirit of God that I am doing these things, the kingdom of God is in your presence. I am the king of I am here. What are you going to do with me? And that's our question here today for all of us. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus asked a question. How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. The strong man here is a reference to Satan, to the devil. Unless you take away his power, you cannot take what is his. And look at what Jesus has just done. He has taken from Satan's house. He has taken from his kingdom. He has rescued a man oppressed by a demon. He is bound the strong man. And he is taking what rightfully belongs to his kingdom. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. He is looking the Pharisee right in the eye. And he's saying, make a decision. Are you going to side with Jesus who is king Whose kingdom is coming in. Or are you going to take sides against him? And at some point, everyone has to make that decision. At some point, the gospel is spoken with clarity. You hear it, and you have to choose. What will you do with Jesus? He says, therefore... I tell you this. I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people. I hope you hear that today. Every sin, every blasphemy can and will be forgiven. Sometimes in life, I think we come to a point where we think, I'm too far gone. I've done too much. I can't be forgiven. I can't come back to God. But Jesus is saying, and I like to hear, he says, I tell you. He is speaking with authority. It's not the Lord says. In the Old Testament, the prophets would say, Thus says the Lord. Jesus says here, I tell you. What's he claiming? He is saying he is God speaking. Every sin of blasphemy will be forgiven. But there is a sin that cannot be forgiven. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. There is something that can be done that God cannot let go. And I want to suggest it has two elements. Blasphemy can be defined as just a defiant irreverence. So to look God and have just disrespect, disdain, irreverence, blasphemy. The Holy Spirit, I think, we need to take seriously as a part of the Trinitarian God. The Holy Spirit is God, as much as God the Father, as much as God the Holy, God the Son person of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit also is God. And so, it brings a question, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? I want to say there's two ways this can be taken. I think in that day, I think primarily this is what he's saying. At that time, in that day, the people who were looking Jesus, in the face. They were there with him at that place. Same time, they saw the miraculous works that he was doing. And they attributed the work of God to the devil. And I believe that's a unique thing that happened at that time, at that place. The commentators agree on this. That will not be forgiven. There was a disregard, a defiance, a disdain toward what, toward what God was doing. So we should we, we be concerned today that we can't do this? In one element, yeah, we can't. But also, I think today, in our time and our place, we can resist what the Spirit of God is doing. The Spirit of God convicts us of sin. The Spirit of God calls us to repentance. And there's a sense of a resistance, a defiance, a willfulness to what God is doing. Now, there's not too many of you, I think, who are here for the first time this morning. You've heard this. We have this book open every week. And sometimes you hear the Spirit of God working on your heart saying, I need to respond. God is calling me, and yet for whatever it is you're holding on to, you dig your heels in and say, no, I won't hear it. I won't have it. I don't want to give in. I don't want to change. I don't want to give over my life to surrender to surrender my own kingship in my life to the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, that is blasphemy. It's disregard, defiant disrespect to the Spirit of God working in your life. And yeah, I think there is a danger of this. The more you hear it, the more numb you can become to it. Yeah, yeah, heard that in your mind Go somewhere else. I don't want it. Sometimes it's an absolute anger, like shake your fist at God. I don't need it, I don't want it, I don't want well, to have anything to do with that. My guess is most of those people probably would not come here this morning. A few weeks ago on um, it was brought about to see a sin of indifference. Take it or leave it. I think that also is just a willfulness. I will not deal with what's right in front of me. This also is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a sense of just a willful blindness. It's in front of you, just as sure as Jesus was right there in that day, plain to see the miracles, were right there, and they said, mm, no, no thank you. And I do think at some point, when you've decided where you want to go, you've made up your mind, I do think at some point, God lets you go. And this is tragic. Now, I don't know where that point is. Where the point where you have decided, and God says, okay, have your way. But at some point, the spirit, you become numb to it, and you no longer has the effect so Jesus continues and whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come so take that seriously I just want to say decisions you make now in this life they carry with you through eternity so do not be light don't take it lightly take it seriously so what do we do with this I mean that's kind of the big question I think as we sit here this morning and I think Jesus' response is as good for then as it is for now we need to hear this. Verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. What something produces is a clear demonstration of what it is. And Jesus is looking at the Pharisee of his day, and he says, look at what you're producing. It's of. And it's hate. And it is anti-God. For the people who should have been the most religious and most knowledgeable and aware of what God was doing in his day, they missed it. And I think we can miss it today too. Trees are known by their fruit. And then he says, You brood of vipers, you snakes, As soon as you get this idea of Jesus being soft-spoken, quiet, gentle, polite, I mean, here he just lays into them. You snake. I've never used this insult of anybody, but believe me, if I call you a snake at some point, I hope you know how I feel. You snake. How can you speak good? when you are evil because look the words out of your mouth they show what's in your heart for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil what comes out of your mouth is an indication of what you have in your heart and if you reflect on this last week what's come out of your mouth in the last week is it an indication of God's grace in your life or is it more of an indication of bitterness anger It seems like we live in a culture that is just thriving on bitterness let's be a people who have the grace of God so fill up our minds and our hearts that what flows out is God's grace and goodness to the people around us. That they see who the Lord Jesus is by what comes out of our mouths. In a solemn verse next, I tell you on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak by your words you'll be justified by your words you will be condemned when you stand before god if god only had a tape recorder of the words that came out of your mouth how would you do we need something to fall back on don't we we need some place to say that you know i'm guilty I need someone who can stand in my place. Someone who every word that came forth out of his mouth was a reflection of who God is because he is God. So how do you do that? I want to leave you with this. From Romans, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. This morning, I don't know your hearts. I'm going to guess at some point, all of you have been in these seats. You all at some point have had this book open. I hope the Spirit of God somehow is speaking Convicting you that you have need of a savior this morning. Don't be one to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, to go forward in a spirit of unrepentant defiance when the day of judgment comes. Instead, you can acknowledge, "I, I need a savior. I need one who can forgive all sin." So don't harden your hearts. Be receptive to what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. And today I want to say don't leave this building until you find, find someone who you connect with. With your mouth, you can say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I believe and I trust in Him to forgive my sins. You can own him as king of your life and you can be saved. So, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing some songs in response. I said, I was want to say, out of my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Lord, we're thankful. Just think of what it is to sit in um, just persistent unrepentance. This disregard for who you are. And we think what a solemn thing it was in that day, Lord, to look you in the face and say, you're the devil. Just pray that we would not have a spirit of indifference in this day, but we would acknowledge that you are, you are Lord. Faith in you will save us from our sin. And we just pray on that day of judgment, which we read here is coming to us. Just that we would have, have your righteousness, because we have faith in you. So we thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.